Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to episode 55 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name's Jeremy and I've got a really, really special episode for you. It's another Leadership Top 5 LT5 with a really, really special, interesting guest an incredible leader, somebody who I've looked up to for years and admired and somebody who's poured into me throughout the years and various seasons of my life has has been a mentor to me and somebody I want to fashion my life after. He's 76 years young and you'll understand why I say young in a moment. He's forward thinking, he leans young, he's managed to stay young over the years and held all sorts of various leadership positions. Uh, in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He's a church leader. He's led our entire movement, our entire fellowship, the PAOC, at a season of his life. He's been a district uh, superintendent. He's been a local church pastor. He's led our Bible college, our theological training center. And you're going to understand in just a moment why this particular episode was kind of like drinking out of a fire hose. If you have a tendency to listen to your podcast at a higher rate, higher speed, this will be one you'll want to go at a normal speed. You might even want to slow it down because it absolutely is gold. And so without further ado, I introduce to you my conversation with the one and only Reverend Bill Morrow. Here it is. Reverend Bill Morrow. I have him on the podcast today. So Bill, so great to have you. Thanks for doing this. And uh, Bill, why don't you just set it up? Just tell us a a little bit. We're here in Peterborough today, uh, Ontario, but uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at this stage of of your life. Sure. I'm honored to be here and I thank you for those kind words, but I feel the same about you. I just, I love young leaders and I watched you shine and grow for the kingdom. And so I'm honored to share this time with you. I, um, I'm the interim pastor at Highway in Peterborough. I've been doing this for a few years now. I did get old. I don't know how that happened, but it happened very quickly. You get old young. And yet at the same time, I just don't think there's really a retirement plan in the kingdom as long as we have the, the mental, spiritual, and physical capabilities we should wow. keep plugging away. Wow. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Um, so I have been here now for about two months. I just came from Highway in Barrie, okay. where I was there 10 months. And uh, on the side, I do a few other little things here and there. I still have some young leaders I get to mentor, which I'm honored to sure. do. Sure. So I'm having a great time here. The staff is very young. And what a privilege to work with young leaders. And that's what we're doing and trying to encourage the church. I do feel a little mandate. I think when you have callings, you should have some spiritual mandate around that. Yeah. So here I feel like I'm supposed to hold the church together from mm. previous leadership to new leadership. And I feel that I'm supposed to help move the church from being believers in Jesus to becoming followers of Jesus. And so we have a whole sermon series lined up. I just finished the outline up to March the 12th and for my own preaching times. And so part of that is just just trying to be really intentional about where we're going as a church and what that looks like and why we would do that. And I do think that the cry today, I do think there's a cry today for, for churches to have people that are have really decided to really follow Jesus yes. again. Yeah. And so that's a real privilege to be able to do that and not beat people up or drive yeah. them there, but try and lead them there. Yeah, no, and you do that so well. And uh, it's evident just the, even what's happening. We attend this this church and, and are blessed to sit under your leadership during this season. 
And Bill, you've you've held and and interestingly enough, you you didn't even mention it there, and that's just kind of your character and who you are. But you've held some pretty high level positions in the in our fellowship in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Talk to us a little bit, just kind of your resume that's gotten you to this point, and just some of the things that you've been a part of over the years in leadership. Yeah, I'm glad to do that, I suppose, but I'd like to go back a little bit if I could. Sure. I was born in Perth, Ontario, and raised in Lanark, Ontario, a little okay. village, not an evangelical home. There was no Christian family background, a little nominal, but not really anything. Right. And uh, I just was raised in a very ordinary, poor family. My, my dad had no education, my mom not much. My dad had grade six, my dad and mom had grade eight. Wow. And I have four siblings, none of whom graduated from high school, except my younger sister who eventually did it in her later years. Okay. My mom actually eventually graduated from high school in her 60s. Wow. Which was kind of amazing. But here I am. I've always loved books and reading. And and, uh, I had a little encounter with God around age 14. It didn't take well. And at 18, I really had a meeting with God in a Pentecostal church center, a wonderful pastor who mentored me incredibly well. And so from there, I actually went, I wasn't sure of my life at all. I went and worked in industry for a year and then finally went off to teacher's college and was working on an undergraduate degree at the time. And back in those days, if you were grade 13, you could actually do a year of teacher's college and become a school teacher. So both my wife and I ended up being public school teachers. And we ended up in Deep River, and I had the privilege of leading my principal to faith and wow. really moving and filled with the Spirit. Amazing. Wow. Here I'm emotional about it because yeah. I watched her lead 30 people to Jesus in wow. six months. Oh, God, how could you not be moved by that? Yeah. See? Yeah. Anyway, so then, then we thought we would go off to Bible college thinking maybe we'd be missionaries. Okay. And as teachers, but teaching right. and do missions at the same time. I'm right. sorry for giving too much detail. Oh, this anyway, is in the middle of all of that, uh, we went to Baba College, and I ended up teaching there while I was a student. Hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> and and in the third year, I got called to ministry. Just knew wow. that I wasn't supposed to go to missions. And here, missions was part of my heart. Right. Always. Right. Is and that so, a sp- was that a specific moment, like that moment of calling? It was was a that moment. a bit of a process, or a specific a moment. moment you point back? To? Yeah. Doc okay. Ross was praying with me, and I just knew. Wow. Yeah. wow. Anyway, so missions is still always part of my heart, and I had no idea what I was going to do with that. So we finished our college, and we ended up in Montreal and pastored there for a short time. And I finished my BA when I was there, and then I went to Smith Falls to pastor. And I loved to study, so I started a master's degree when I was there. Okay. And finished, and then in the middle of all of that, got called to Peterborough. Uh, to mm. teach at the Bible College. And I finished my master's degree that year at, at St. Paul's in Ottawa in counseling. And so anyway, so that led to all kinds of opportunities to mentor a young sure. generation of kids. And sure. from there, we went off to Sarnia for five years. But somewhere along the way, I learned this lesson. I don't know who taught me, but it's a valuable, really important lesson, valuable lesson. I believe that people see good in people all the time. Mm. What they don't do is say it. Wow, wow. And so I just started to say it. I don't know, again, I don't even know where that came from. But I would see some quality in one of these kids, and I would just, I'd say, man, I love that about you, or I love your prayer life, or I love how you communicate. Sure. And and everybody, everybody needs affirmation. Yes. And I just started affirming a whole bunch of people. Hmm. Well, I actually believe that all of a sudden in Sarnia, they were looking for a new district superintendent, and all these kids I'd affirmed 
Right. Affirmed me. Right. And I was elected to be district superintendent. Wow. And I do believe that's wow. where it came from. I have no great skills. I've never been a hunk, never been handsome, not particularly gifted <laughs> in hundreds of ways. But but I have a heart for God and I'm a learner. I've always been that. Yep. And and I just just encouraged all these kids and they returned the favor, I think. Yeah. And the district was broken at the time a little bit in some ways. And because right. I'm a learner, I just went on the path to try and figure out what to do to fix it. And I discovered I have a gift that I can actually fix things that are broken. Wow. And so from there, I was then elected to fix the national office. It was also mm. broken. And, mm. and from there, I, I uh, left and retired and ended up back at Masters, not as a teacher this time, but right. it was also broken. I went back and ended up being the president and then kind of hopefully gave it some new life, I believe we did. But in, wow. in all of that, in all of that, see, I, I don't, I, I just, I've always felt just ordinary, just so sure. ordinary. Sure. But I really believe it's not how many gifts we have, it's what we do with them. Yes. When we take whatever God's given us and surrender that, yeah. then I think God has fertile soil to work with. Wow. Now, I don't think that's true everywhere because, you know, nobody's ever asked me to lead a choir because I can't sing. And sure. if I took the opportunity, sure. I would yeah. be a, a destruction to other yeah. people. So there are gifts we have. So it has to be around things that are real. Right. So I think there's natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Right. And when we have those and we surrender those to God, then I think God wants to do something with them. Yeah. So that's kind of a long so story, good. but that's the background. Oh, that's so good. And we're, we're going to get into, thank you for all that, Bill. Just uh, It's great to hear just how God got a hold of your life and just some of the things you've been involved with and just had such an impact on so many people. I know you mentioned a bunch of a young leaders, you know, you affirmed and, and uh, I, I could definitely be one of those who I know... I, can sit here as a living proof that that you are who you say you are and have definitely affirmed me over the years and just appreciate that so much about you um, as you look over your ministry life we're going to get to some leadership health questions here in a second but before we get to that as you look over all the years in ministry and yeah. still involved to this day if you could pinpoint I know this is probably asking a lot but if you could pinpoint like what's your absolute favorite part of ministry what would that be yeah, uh, some years ago, I actually, we changed the, changed the thinking about how we help people from, from counseling to coaching. Right. We still do good counseling, sure. I think, and it should be. Yeah. But So I asked myself the coaching question once, about 20 years ago, probably. Right. And I said, okay, of all the things you've done for God, what has absolutely brought you the most pleasure? Mm. And instantly, three things came to mind. Without a doubt. First is mentoring a new generation. Yeah. I love young leaders. The privilege yeah. of pouring into them yes. is absolutely incredible. Secondly, I absolutely love the word. Yeah. I am committed to this day of I you know, I could try out old sermons. I try not to do that. I, I still work on sermons. I still am studying diligently. I'm still trying to learn. Sure. So I love the word. And yeah. thirdly, I absolutely love having unsaved people in my life. I'm deliberate and intentional about that all the time. Yeah. That there are people that eat at my soul for the kingdom. Wow. And and it's not just knowing people. That's right. It's not just knowing people outside the kingdom. That that's not all kinds of people think they want to save people in their life. Knowing them is not having them in your life. Yeah. Having them in your life is when you pray for them every day. That's you right. You can't not pray that's for them. That's right. Yeah. Because they eat at your soul because you want them mm. you want them to know God loves them. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. So good. Well, thank you for that. Bill, uh, you've mentioned some of the stuff where I want to cover here in a second. You've already alluded to, and maybe we'll take a little deeper dive on some of it. But we'll just maybe more personally to start off, uh, more of a personal 
habit discipline i know any any strong leaders like yourself always there's there's personal disciplines and habits that that strong leaders have in their life that often people don't see or even know about um, but great leadership doesn't just it doesn't just happen on its own uh, it's intentional and i know you're very intentional with your life and your personal disciplines but what would you say whatever you're most comfortable sharing here today, but what would you say your, your most effective personal discipline? I'm talking outside of prayer and Bible reading. I'm just assuming as a spiritual leader that we're all doing that, and, and I know that's a broad assumption. But um, So outside of prayer and Bible reading, time with the Lord, what would be the personal discipline or habit of yours, maybe a daily rhythm that, that kind of yields the most results for you and your leadership over the years? Yeah, this is going to probably sound like a not very spiritual answer, and it, and, but it's significant for me. I spend, I try to spend part of every day just thinking. Wow. I just wow. think. And I read a book many, many years ago now from one of the young men I was mentoring at the time, and he had read the book, and he recommended it to me, and I just, it so identified what I was trying to think about in words that made sense. Yeah. And, and so it was called Thinking for a Living. It's not a Christian book at all. It's a secular okay. book. And it's yeah. years old now, probably long out of print. But but this company decided that they weren't trying to actually produce commercials. They were trying to think about the ideas that would make commercials producible. Right, right. And so, and I got thinking about how many times we just don't spend enough time thinking. Hmm. And so I ponder God every day. I ponder. There's a part of my life every single day that I just spend time just thinking. Wow. I think about what's going on. I think about the people in my life. I think about the church. I think about my family. I think about God. I think about problem solving. I think about issues that need sure. to be fixed. Sure. And and it's amazing when you do that as a Christ follower yeah. to do that with God as part of your life. How many times those thinking moments actually result in solutions and helpful motives and helpful means and wow. helpful practices that actually change the kingdom. Wow. And in all of that, you get to give God glory because you realize that he's using your gifts, but at the same sure. time, sure. using it in a surrendered way. Wow. So just thinking. That yeah. I, I know that sounds not very... No, that's, that's great. It's true. It's the first so. time uh, anyone said that on, on this podcast as I've interviewed all kinds of various leaders. But that's, that's so interesting as I just sit here and think how many times we don't give ourselves the time and space to do that anymore. Because mm-hmm. we're... A lot of it, I won't blame our devices for everything, but that's a huge part to play. I think even since the evolution of smartphones... I think of even times I spend alone thinking and creatively um, and, and just the diminishing factor to creativity ever since the the introduction of smartphones because we're just not thinking. We're always numbing and medicating and scrolling and so yes. we just don't have the time and space. So for you, you said thinking. Like do you actually, do you calendar, do you schedule that time in? Like what does that look like for you on the daily? Or is it yeah, more just so, organic? Just... No, well, it is. It's both, though. It's scheduled okay. and organic at the same time. Okay. And I hesitate to share this because sometimes we add value where there's no value added, right. really. Right. I just have odd sleep patterns. I've had it my whole life. Okay. I go to bed. I sleep really well. I'm asleep in 20 seconds, wow. like instantly. And yeah. I have to tease my wife about that because she takes a little longer. <laughs> sure. yeah. And I just said, I often will I don't know if I could do this in a broadcast. I will tease her. If you just treated me better, you would sleep easier. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she treats That's me incredibly good. well. Good. Sure. Incredibly well. So that's not really true at all. But, but So I sleep two or three hours, and then I'm awake for an hour or two every night. Wow. 
So that's my thinking time. Okay. So I just, I've made use of that time yeah. to think and read and ponder. And uh, I do other things. Sometimes I catch up in the sports news sure, and, sure. or whatever. But but generally speaking, that's my my quiet. It's not prayer time. Right. It's thinking time. Thinking time. And then I'm up an hour or two and I go back to bed and sleep another few hours. And then I'm up for the day. Wow. So I have done that since I was a kid. I, that's my been my rhythm. Is that right? So just wow. when I became a believer, then I started and re- got into leadership. Yeah. It transitioned from just being awake to being awake with purpose. Right. So wow. it became much more intentional. Wow. That's so interesting. Bill, I want to move on. You just referenced your wife. How long have you been married? Oh, my goodness. It'll be 55 years this summer. 55 years. Wow. Long time. I've loved well, that, that is for 57 years. Incredible, yeah, incredible, and you can tell just that you know again sitting under your leadership, even in whatever space, whether it's one on one or or publicly, you you are always talking about her and your relationship in in such a a positive way. And I know again, fifty five years of marriage doesn't just happen, no. especially in in today's world. And I know you've even done some studying and and counseling and various things, uh, marriage specifically. And so I'd love to just pick your brain for a second on that topic of marriage and sure. relationship. Um, what's the best piece of practical advice? Not necessarily that you've ever been given, but maybe that you um, even incorporate into your own life and marriage relationship. Or best piece of advice you often give to other couples. Yeah. Um, and, and not so much in a reactive way, but maybe in a proactive way to keep them out of danger or out of, sure. you know, yeah. and I know you've dealt with so many, especially leadership crisis moments with leaders who are their marriages in crisis, whatever. You've seen a lot. You've been around. And after, you know, all your years of experience, if you could give one tip to a young leader out there listening today, maybe a newlywed couple in ministry and leadership, what would you say to them to keep them? on the straight and narrow, so to speak. In yeah, well, the, the thing that comes to mind probably arises out of our own relationship. Both Sheila and I were born into families that were not healthy. Mm. My parents had, I would consider, a dysfunctional marriage. Okay. Sheila's parents were the same. They actually separated for 10 years and got back together. Wow. But not really healthy. Right. And so when we got married young, uh, we didn't, we loved each other. There was no question. But neither one of us knew how to be married. Neither right. one of us were mature enough. Right. And so we fought a lot in the early couple of years, and we were in the kingdom, and, you know, I'm helping with youth, and, but it didn't change the fact that we didn't know how to do marriage. Right. And I remember one day we had this kind of fight, uh, and Sheila said to me, how come you never say you're sorry? And I had this tender moment, yeah. and I said, why would I say I'm sorry? I'm right, and you're wrong. <laughs> And that didn't really work well no, either. I guess and not. And she said to me, I'm not asking you if you're right or wrong. I'm asking if you're sorry for hurting me. And at that moment, I realized that I was hurting the one person in all the world I most wanted to love. And that changed our marriage. And I talked to her about it. We talked together and we made a commitment together in a variety of ways. So here's the advice. It's really simple. The person you're married to is the one person in all the world you most want to love. Mm. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, Mm -hmm. Mission Impossible, is to spend the rest of your life proving that. Wow, that's good. So I deliberately try to show her that I love her all the time. Wow. I work at it. And the good news is she works at it with me. Yeah. So this has been a mutual decision. Sure. And that's led to all kinds of other decisions that are, you know, there's no perfect marriage. It's just workable no. ones. Yeah. You can't have love without trust. 
Yeah. You cannot trust without risk. So we risk until we learn enough to trust. And in fact, I read a quote that says, um, not quite accurate, not 100% accurate, but it basically says, I, the words I trust you are better than the words I love you. Wow. Because I may not always trust the person I love, but I can always love the person I trust. Mm. I think that's brilliant. Wow, it is. I think that's it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So not original with me at all, and I haven't got the words exactly right, pulling it from memory here. So we have worked really hard to keep trust in our relationship mm. and build trust. And I just, I just see my job. My job as her husband is to love her. Wow. And her job is to love me. Yeah. And I need to keep doing that as long as we live. And the seasons come and go. Sure. You've got young yeah. children, then you've got teenagers, and yeah. you've got absent children, then they come back, then you get old. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but So it all changes. Right. And so you have to, this is not something you can do once and it's fixed forever. It's like faith. Right. Faith is not borrowed from past experience. Faith is borrowed from God daily. Wow. And so otherwise it doesn't work. So every single day I have to make a commitment to her. Wow. And we've just learned how to do that to each other and for each other. And yeah. so I would argue with the 55 years, 50 of them have been really good. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> the rest were the learning years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's too long an answer, yeah. too. But that's that, it's not a simple answer. Because, no, it's not. Because life not. is not simple. Life no. is complicated. And yeah. All kinds of factors rob marriages of their best. Right. And so you have to right. work really hard. At, at, and it is hard work sometimes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. To be honest with you, I'm definitely. not always lovable, and yeah. neither is she. <laughs> sure, but, sure. But that's not the issue. The issue is you love them the way they need to be loved, not the way you need to be loved. Right. Which is another whole learning curve. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. And as you're, as you're saying that, I, I, you know, my mind's reeling at various things, and I'm just wondering if there's any... I think that's a an incredible baseline and and uh, and foundation for marriage for you know longevity in marriage uh, healthy marriage. Is there any specific, on a practical note, guardrails, boundary fences that you've yeah. put up in your marriage that have really helped you continue to love uh, yeah. your wife in the way yeah, that you've just sure. described? For sure. So first of all, we date every week. Okay. 54 years later, we still yeah. date. Wow. Um, uh, 54 years later, when I learned, I try to do something kind of special for her every week. Yeah. And she would do the same for me that we, this just kind of special, that we yeah, just kind of, sure. we just kind of, we're th- it, it, see, romance, what romance really is, a statement of romance, I think, anyway, good definition, I'm thinking about you. Right. So by me taking her flowers or a card or I cook a special food that she sure. really likes. I sure. do a lot of the cooking in our home. I like to cook. I love the creativity of the kitchen. So I would do something special that she would just say thank you. Well, thank you means a lot because I've done it for her. Yes. And so I'm trying to love her the way she needs to be mm. loved. And she does the same, yes. the same back. And so I think that that's helped keep it fresh, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then we put boundaries around it as well. We don't let a lot of other people in at times. Yeah. The date nights are really date nights. They're not watching television. They're not. Sure, sure. <clears throat> They're really intentional. And we do have people in our lives. We'll make sure that we guard that. And then we also, um, I'm very careful about relationships with other people. Right. And, and you want to really be pouring in, but you still need boundaries and all of that, who they are, what they are. Sure. And so on. To no, some that's degree. Good. I'm not sure I'm answering that yeah. question well, but. No, that was great. That's great. Yeah, just on the practical level, I think that uh, helps so many of us as younger leaders out there who are, again, it's a journey, right? And uh, some of these are are learning years and tougher years than others. So we were married about 10 or 15 years, and I realized that I prayed 
for her often. Right. But I didn't thank God for her. Mm. And so I started doing that. It was just it was just yeah. some like little revelation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just to do that. And so I just started. Part of my prayer life was I would thank God for her. Yeah. It was amazing how much better she got yeah. when I did yeah. that. Wow. And the truth is I don't think she changed hardly at all. I think sure. I changed. Yeah. Because right. I just all of a sudden saw her as a, as somebody God loved, but more than yeah. that, that God had put in my life to love me. Yeah. And I'm I'm very grateful also for we're not a typical married ministry couple. Okay. A lot of people in ministry, their spouses are all, they're all wrapped up in ministry together. Right. right. And my wife has set a lot of people free because she's not called to ministry at all. Mm. She's called to be a Christian. Sure. And she serves God and shares faith. And we, we raised two kids that are serving God. I'm very grateful. Yeah. And she was more influential in that than I am because I was on the road so much, much of my life. Anyway, but, but we just, we just determined that, um, I was going somewhere with that. I just had a seniors moment. As soon as I do have those, I'm 77, okay. 76 now. Soon to be 77. 77. It doesn't matter. You're going to edit no, this that, anyway. That's, no, that, that's that's good. Um, but but I just I just value her and, and, and thanking God for her. I just oh I know what it is. So so when I go home, I have a sanctuary. Okay. So she's not in ministry. If I was married to somebody in ministry, I'm very driven. I I would never get off the treadmill. Right. And twice in my life, I got on the treadmill and couldn't get off. Wow. And she came to me and said, you're out of control. God is not honored by this. You're out of control. And you need to get mm. off the treadmill. And wow. she helped pull me off. Wow. And I'm so grateful. She rescued me. She yeah. really did. So I, I'm grateful to have somebody that actually holds me accountable for the other issues sure. of life besides just ministry. Because I could work sure. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She makes me skate once in a while. We right. go for walks. We right. cross-country ski. We go for dates. Yeah. And I do the arranging of the dates because she's taught me how important that is. Right. So in some ways, she has kept me sane. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as you have been around such young leaders, you've been so intentional about that and, yeah. and staying young, I, I think, and we'll get to that maybe a little later, but... You've been so intentional with surrounding yourself with younger leaders and, and it keeps you forward thinking. I know that's part of it. But as you watch younger leaders today, any concerns you'd say, again, still on this topic of marriage relationships, like what are some of the concerns as you look, if you could speak into a young leader's life, into their marriage or, or maybe concerns you see in people where marriages are falling apart, especially ministry ones, especially leadership ones, like what are some of the concerns you see and that people need to be aware of? And, hey, that's a red flag. Like, you really need to watch that if you're going down that road. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to answer this question well because I do have two concerns for this generation. Yeah. Uh, the first one, I want to honor them. They're as bright as we ever were. Yeah. They may be more godly than my generation was in some ways. We were so tied to legalism and rules. Right. And they don't want any of that. They just want to meet God. Yeah. And I see a fire for the kingdom in young leaders today mm. that absolutely thrills my soul. Wow. Uh, the dangers I see a little bit is I worry about a church that's not on fire. I think most of our churches are filled with all kinds of great believers, but not many followers. Right. And they're not passionate about the loss. They're not so churches become a place where I feel good rather than I'm transformed into a disciple that makes me like wow. Jesus. Wow. And so I see I see these young leaders who really want to be like Jesus. Hmm. So where do they go to exercise their ministry gifts if they're called a ministry, for example, where they're going to get that kind of mentoring, where they're going to right. get that kind of intentionality, where and I worry about them getting caught up in the church system. 
Yes. Rather than the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I do worry about that. I also worry about the generation a little bit because I do think they have a tendency to quit easily. Hmm. They get discouraged easily. They need to be shored up a bit more than average. Yeah. And so that, again, I think takes mentoring. And so I have a few people that I just... I feel like I spend just two or three of these. I don't want sure. many of them. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like I'm talking them off the wall all the time. Right. Incredibly gifted, incredibly right. talented, but yeah. easily discouraged. And just so I, I, if I could change anything, I would have mentors who were more patient, taking longer, and just keep shoring them up because they're worth investing in. Wow. But at the same time, help them not quit. Yeah. In, in that yeah. sense of the word. And so that's true of marriage and ministry and everything. Yeah, uh, God really has called us to a lifelong commitment. I think what we do can change, but the commitment doesn't. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I just, I just, yeah. So I just, I see such good in them, such fire. Hmm. But I worry about the, I worry about the deadliness of a kingdom that's not always on fire. Yeah. No, and I worry so about good. the lack of mentors. So good. Bill, you've 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 touched on this already, and kind of your three favorite things. Going back to that about ministry, and and you mentioned one, just unsaved people. So, yeah. uh, I know this is near and dear to your heart. I I know in one on one moments with you, you're always talking about somebody else you know who's lost and who is a friend to you, not just an acquaintance, not just somebody you wave at. No, like you mentioned earlier, but. How do you, as a busy leader, you're also so busy. I mean, you're involved in so many things, even in quote-unquote retirement, um, probably busier in some respects than you were years ago. Um, but how do you, as a busy leader, stay missions-minded in your community, just in being intentional about lost people and, and yeah. reaching those people? I know it's your heart, so it's yeah. a passion, and that's part of the answer, yeah. I'm sure, but... How do, how do you do that as a because you just spoke you know to many younger leaders and one of your concerns being that maybe not as intentional about lost people yeah. how have you done uh, that again coming from my background I think helps um, right I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home sure and the minute I gave my life to Jesus I realized my family were lost okay and I went home I remember telling my dad he was going, he was going to hell he wasn't right. excited about it at all, right. at right. all. Uh, it took five years for him to come to faith. Wow. But when he came to faith, it was a wonderful thing. And I wow. watched my mom and my sister. Yeah. I still have family members that are not in the kingdom that I love desperately. Sure. And so I think having that background and knowing what Jesus did in my life, right. I think that has helped. Um, and then God has given me opportunities along the way. Just met people that just were in my early walk with God. I had the privilege of meeting people outside the faith and we became friends and I just watched them come into the kingdom. Yeah. So that laid a pattern for all of that. Right. And then I ended up being our national leader for 12 years. And I remember a pastor calling me one day, and he actually said to me, uh, was telling me the story of somebody he just led to Jesus, not as a pastor, but as a friend. Yeah. And I, I, and I looked at my own soul, at that, I started to cry. Because yeah. I realized I did not have one unsafe friend in my life at that moment. I got so busy with church people wow. that I honestly could not identify somebody mm. that ate at my soul. And so I just determined I would never lose my soul vision from that moment on. Yeah. I just, so I really work at it. So I, my wife likes to shop. I'll go to a mall and I sit and read while she's doing her thing. Sure. She likes to look at a hundred things and she shows me the two or three that matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I pray for people. I yeah. pray for people in malls. I pray for old people that are in walkers and young people and young teenagers that are just so full of themselves. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And kids that can't walk, they bounce, hop, scup, yeah. jumps. Anyway. And in Ontario, every every 
every tenth person I pray for is a believer. Wow. But nine are not. Wow. And I go to Montreal and I have to pray for 144 people. I pastored there twice. I have mm. to pray for 144 people to pray for one believer. Wow. That changes your life, you see. Yeah. So how do we keep soul vision? And then I ask God on a regular basis to keep me tender and sensitive mm. so the people that I meet along life's way will actually might be candidates for the kingdom that I could influence. Right. And I'm not the only influence. God uses a whole variety of people. Yep. Totally. But along the way, as I try to stay sensitive, mm. somebody will come along and, and I meet them. And the next thing you know, we're having coffee or tea or, yeah. or I'm in their home for a meal or they're in my home. And I do think it's different than it used to be. I'm big on angle scale of conversion. I actually worry about the church that preaches to other people. Like I think as a church, we're offering, answering questions people there's nobody's, nobody's sure. asking. Yeah. So Engel would say people in our world are often have no God awareness at all. Hmm. So I love how Jesus went to people and he dealt with them as they were to start with before he right. could lead them in what they could be. Right. And so I've asked God to keep me sensitive to people as they are. Hmm. And so right now I'm mentoring a believer who's a believer now, wonderful believer, serving God really well. I mentor them on a regular basis. But when I first met them, they were out of the church, got really hurt in the church and left. Not turn off with God, but turn out with turn off with religion and the kingdom right. and church right. of awful. Sure. It took 10 years for them to come to faith. Wow. Well, we just, we, we waited just, on them. Yeah, God said, yeah. just be patient, just be patient. Wow. And so we, we in Iraq had them in our home. We were in their home. And we, we, we went on vacation together once. Sure. And in the middle of all that journey, the questions started to get deeper and deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. And finally, there was a moment when faith was shared and they came to faith and wow. and, and are still, like, just passionate for the kingdom now. Mm. Well, you know, that seemed like a long time. Looking back, it was there were moments of frustration and, and yeah. absence and blank. But 10 years later, yeah. it worked. Yeah. And so I, I do think the redemptive model is more patient than it used to be. Hmm. We have to go as Jesus did to people as they are. And then I, and I'm always just looking for new people to move into that circle yeah. of people that I feel God wants to use me right. in their life. There are people I could never leave to Jesus. I don't think like they do. I don't. Sure. So, so, and the same for you or all yeah. of us. Yeah. That's why it takes all of us to do this. Wow. And I also think in every believer, there's other voices besides ours. We don't want to be arrogant and think we're the voice. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. God no, doesn't just good. depend on us. It's good. But if you're intentional about it, you will always have people in your life that eat at your soul. You pray for every day. You love. Mm -hmm. You care about. Mm -hmm. And and I have this this I have this strange conviction. This is it really does eat at me. I've just never met anybody God doesn't love. Wow. Yeah. No matter how bad they are. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's really true, and I'm really his disciple, I should love them too. Yeah. That's not easy. Sometimes they're not very lovable yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah. You know, really. No, that's good. One of the it's people true. in my life I consider to be a bit of a drunk, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And, but it's that's okay. It's, you know, yeah. uh, God loves them. That's right. And so I, right. I love them. Yeah. And and I you try to show that by relationship and time. Mm. Anyway, it, it takes time. It, this is, it, takes, it requires commitment yeah. and energy yeah. to cook meals for people and have them in your home and you're in theirs. And, yeah. but, but, you know, um, I, the kingdom isn't built in a day. Yeah, Souls aren't exactly. one in a day. Yeah. The days of instant conversion are gone. Right. And in all honesty, the days of revival in our churches, I think, are gone. The days mm. where we have prayed some people coming to get saved, those days are over. Yeah. 
and it was never biblical anyway. Right. Jesus didn't tell us to get people to come to church. Jesus That's told right. us the church to go into all the world and make disciples. That's it. And when they become disciples, they come to church. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that was his plan. That's right. So I think that's if we right. get back to that, I think we have a chance to influencing, I think we have a chance of influencing the world for Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I really so believe good. that. So good. What would you say to a busy pastor out there, a busy leader who yeah. maybe finds himself in a place like you were a number of years ago as the national leader here in Canada? Maybe, you, as you described it, lost your soul a little bit, didn't have any unsaved lost people in your life. Yeah. Maybe there's a pastor listening today that recognizes, you know what, if I look around and I'm honest, I don't have. I'm telling my church to do that. I'm telling my people, but I don't have that. Yeah. Where do they start? What would you say to them? Is it just yeah. a quick piece of advice to them? Hey, start here. Well, let's go to the back of the great commandment. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. And we love our neighbors, ourself. So uh, who's your neighbor? Yeah. Who lives across from you? Good. Who are the people in the corners? Who are the yeah. people beside you? Who are the people behind you? Do you know their names? Yeah. Do you know the names of their kids? Do, do, you, do you know that that teenage boy next door who loves to play hockey at 14 would love it if you showed up just to be at his game? Yeah. Do you, do you communicate with them? Do you join the street parties? Do you, yeah. do you hand out candy at Halloween when everybody else is there and you're not in some church function with your lights off and they don't know why you're not handing out free candy yes. to kids? Yeah. But you're actually part of the neighborhood. You yeah. get involved. So I just found a great place to start is with neighbors, people you actually it's live excellent. near. Yeah. And what are, again, like I know Christians who live, pastors who live across from people, they don't know any of their names. Yeah. I would yeah. never let that happen. I would work yeah. really hard to get to know who those oh, people that's, were. That's good. And, and sometimes those open doors, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a neighbor once in the town I lived in. He was a retired guy and really handy, and I'm not handy at all. And he loved to help me with things. And so I, my way of getting to him was I asked for help all the time. Yeah. And he would always be willing to come yeah. and help. And I would pray that's for awesome. him that that would open a door that I could yes. help him. Yeah. <laughs> and it never happened. Yeah. But it kept me aware that I, I knew he wasn't saved. I knew he was lost. And, and even though it doesn't always work, um, you know, there's still that investment. And maybe yeah. he's a believer today because those exactly. years of investment. Well, that's it, right? You know, like you I, I, don't know earlier, I don't yeah. know where the harvest yeah. is coming in all the yeah. time. And that's some right. sow and some, you know, right. some water and some reap. Yeah. But if you don't reap if you don't water and you don't sow. Mm. So maybe that's we good. have to do all those that's pieces. Good. Wow. So good. I love the reaping. Yeah. That's my no, favorite part. Uh, we all do, right? I love the reaping. We all do, yeah. <laughs> but, but we don't always get but, to be know, on I that had, I had six years sowing into that person, yeah. and, and it was hilarious. We got to know he and his wife, and we had this cat, and they loved to feed our cat. They didn't want one, but they loved okay. to feed our cat. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I, have a, I, have, I come home one day, and he's got his ladder up, and he's cleaning the leaves out of my eave trough. Wow. And I'm thinking, you shouldn't be at a roof in your age. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. there he was. And, wow. But, but, you know, I could tell you his name and his wife's name and yeah. about their children and yeah. Yeah. what he did for a living. And, and you just... Ah, it's so good. You just so be good. interested in people. Yeah. Jesus, do you ever notice how much how Jesus was interested in mm. people? Yeah. He really liked people. Yeah. I don't like them as much as he does, yeah. to be yeah. honest with you. No, exactly. But I'm interested in <laughs> You're them. You're right, I, though. They have stories. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's one of the reasons this is cyber. It's one of the reasons why you can't be an interim for a long time in a church. Hmm. Because every church person wants to tell you their story. Yeah. But they don't want to tell it twice. Yeah. They don't want to tell it to an interim and then tell it to a new pastor. Ooh. 
So that they true. need to tell it to the new pastor. So that's why interim period shouldn't be long. Yeah. And when you come in, you know it's going to be short. So you got to you got to do what you can in yeah. a short time. But you're always feeding into the next leader, right. so that when they come, right. they feel safe. When that leader comes, those people feel safe to tell him or her their story. Yeah. So that they can work together for the kingdom. Hmm. I know it's a sidebar, but no, I love it. I mean, this is this is so much gold here. It feels in in some respects like drinking out of a fire hose today. But I, do I admit I, that, don't I? <laughs> I knew it would be that I way. I tell and everybody that's, it's like that. Yeah, if you come and talk to me, it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I, I know that. No, this is so good, Bill. You you talked about uh, ministry, and you've talked about you know just even the, this interim period, and and here in Peterborough right now, and you've been in ministry. How long has it been? Full-time Well, I'm 76, ministry. and I started in 1973. How old? I was 27. Okay. It's a long time. A I'm long almost time. 50 years of ministry. Wow. Incredible. One more year. And again, like kind of the common theme laced throughout all these things today is, is none of that just happens, right? And no. we're, seeing, we're seeing great, incredible leaders fall or, um, all yeah. the time, you know, and we're all human. We yeah. all are, are still... Nature is, you know, born in it with a sinful nature. Um, yeah. And how have you managed to knowing that leadership ministry is not a, it's not a, it's not a sprint, right? Yeah. And we hear this all the time. It's a marathon, and you got to pay, you know, all of that. But what are what's kept you in the game? Um, maybe it's a guardrail, maybe it's a boundary, a personal thing that you've been super intentional about in yeah. your life and your ministry. But what's something you've put in place that's you would point back to and say, you know, if you took it all else away, this one particular thing has probably been the most influential in keeping me going at this for yeah. so many years yeah. and still passionate about it. Yeah. Well, the things we've talked about are obviously right. part of that, but three things come to mind, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is because I am driven and because I work, do work hard, uh, I create a lot of what I call intimacy deficits. It's not just original with me. It's original in psychology, they talk about it. Right. People who give a lot of themselves away become empty. They feel depleted at times. Right. They just feel empty. And and uh, that's why, to be honest with you, that's why at airport hotels, there's always pornography available. So salespeople, people who are business, people who travel a lot, right. are in meetings all day, they empty themselves. Right. And they come home, and they go back to the hotel, and the problem with intimacy deficit, it will be replenished either healthily or unhealthily. Ooh, wow. So you can replenish that healthily or unhealthily. So pornography is a great way to replenish it unhealthily. And I know a lot of pastors who give their souls on Sunday. Right. And they go home and they don't talk to their wife and they don't talk to their kids. They watch mindless television for too many hours. And yep. if you watch enough television these days, you probably watch stuff you shouldn't watch, sure. to be honest with you. So one of the things that, that fills up the intimacy deficit is physical touch. Hmm. And so Sheila and I have practiced this for years. When I walk home... When I get home after a service, when I walk in the house, she meets me and she hugs me. Mm. She fills up the emptiness. Wow. And that's all it takes is one hug to do that. Wow. And I just, and I just so, I'm so grateful that she's willing to do that. When we were first married, she used to help me get things right after services. And that didn't help. That just added to the deficit. So I talked to her, I said, please help me, correct me, but do it Tuesday. Sure. When I've just poured my soul out and wanted to do it right. I need you to fill up the emptiness. Wow. And so so, so she would she would do that, still does to this day. So yeah. and it's hilarious. I'm so stupid. I love her voice, you see. So I'm on my way home. I call her, no matter where I am, I call her on my way home. 
Mm. She says, well, you're going to be home in 10 minutes. I said, I know, but I want to hear your voice. Yeah. Because it helps fill up the deficit. I right. give it away all day. So yeah. I just, I almost always call her on the way home, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, mm. I call her on the way home. It f helps fill up the deficit. Wow. That's number one. Wow. Number two is they did a study of over 300 pastors in Akron, Ohio, at a counseling center who had had moral failure. Mm -hmm. And the one common trait with all of them was that they had all stopped having devotions. They'd all stopped having a personal relationship with God. Mm. Now, again, because I put a premium on thinking, my, my probably my devotional life is different than some others. It based on the word and it's based on thinking and meditation. I don't, other than when we pray together as a husband and wife, we don't pray for, I don't pray for needs a lot. Right. I, I, I just, I just want to be in his presence. Right. So I do a lot of meditating yeah. about the word and truth and, and think. I think about God yeah. a lot, yeah. and that's part of my devotion. But, but so they stop doing that. And the minute mm. you stop doing that, then you become vulnerable. Right. And the third issue is, I believe anybody can fail, right. including me. Yeah. So I work really hard to protect that. And I think there are three conditions under which any of us can fail. Uh, chemistry, proximity, and opportunity. Mm. So let's not ever think and be naive enough to think that the person we're married to is the only person in all of life that ever be attracted to. Right. I have met people that I found were attractive, and I thought if I wasn't happily married and you were single and I was single, I'd like to get to know you better. Right. I don't ever let that happen because I am married, and I love the person I'm married to, and I actually like the person I'm married to, so right. I wouldn't let that happen. But I'm not going to be naive and think that I couldn't think somebody else was attractive. Sure. And I know other people find my wife attractive. She's sure. a little prettier than me. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> anyway, but but so so I'm, I'm honest. So there is chemistry. Yeah. So if you have chemistry with somebody and you work close to them, now there's proximity. Mm. Now you have an opportunity to get to know them better. Wow. And now all of a sudden you can actually develop an emotional relationship, mm. which is not healthy or wise. Yeah. So you have to guard against that. And then if you have those two together and some opportunity comes along where you actually are in moments of aloneness now, yeah. Yeah. that could easily become more than yeah. and ministers fall. Yeah. So I have a friend of mine that I did some counseling and restoration with he and his wife, and that's what happened to him. He, mm. he, he, just, he just got so busy, he stopped praying, stopped being with God a little bit. Yeah. And this woman came in to get help with her marriage, and he found her attractive. Mm. And he said, I remember the day it changed. She said, she said to me, we always talk about me. What about you? How are you doing today? And he said, I'd had a bad day that day. And I told her, he said, I, that was my mistake. Wow. Our relationship changed from that moment on. It was no longer me helping her in her marriage. It was now us sharing with each other. And he said, I stopped sharing things with my wife that I'm now sharing with her. Wow. And that would have never gone anywhere if I hadn't gone to Israel. They had to go to Israel and trip took some people. Yeah. He didn't have enough people for his wife to go. Mm. And she didn't bring her husband. Mm. And in the evening, she showed up at his door, and they had, they had a relationship that night. Wow. And the minute it was over, he yeah. said, I couldn't believe it. Mm. I sold my relationship with God. I sold my, my ministry, and I sold my marriage for something that wasn't as good as I had at home. Wow. Hmm. And I thought, wow, what a cost. Yeah. So I just really watch for those areas. Yeah. I just think anybody yeah, can fall, so yeah. given chemistry, proximity, and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep your devotional life sweet. You keep the intimacy deficit filled up. You mm -hmm. keep filling the intimacy up. I love that. And yeah. you guard your life. And I, those are, yeah, those are just yeah. things that I have practiced for a long yeah. time. No, I appreciate you unpacking that because I think 
oftentimes we see or we hear of people falling and we all know as leaders that none of that happens overnight. No. That's not just, you don't wake up one day and decide I'm going to go out and ruin my life today. No, nobody does that. Um, it's small baby steps and so I, I appreciate you just kind of giving us a little bit of framework of how that can happen very quickly, you know, without a whole lot of thought, yeah. you know very easily when we're not so paying attention. So the first attention. step to that is admitting you can fall. Yes. And then you guard That's against it. it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not be arrogant and yeah. think that we're super spiritual because yeah. we're not. Yeah. I still, have, I still have times in my... One of the challenges with a dialogue like this, it makes you sound like you're really good. Right. Sure. I mean, it does. Sure. And, yeah. and there are For moments sure. when I still have the dark night of the soul. Yeah. When I can't find God. Yeah. There's still moments when I when I, I get weary. There's still moments when she and I have to find a new way because right. something's happened in our life, an illness right. or, or retirement or whatever. Sure. Sure. So the journey is never always flat and it's never always high. Yeah. So you have to, again, this is always a journey. And I, the one thing we haven't talked about that I think has been critical in my life, and I, my lead pastor taught me this when I first became a believer. He just poured into me. He taught me the gift of surrender, mm. that you give your life to God. Mm. Who's in charge of your life? You or God. And so, again, that's what makes followers. Followers want Jesus to be in charge of their life. Right. Believers are happy to run their own life sure. with God getting sure. them to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I do think that that's a critical part. But surrender is not easy when you're in the dark night of the soul and yeah. heavens feel like brass and you can't... So again, one of the challenges with this kind of a talk is it makes you sound like you're an authority, you're expert, you got it all figured out, right. and it's not true. Yeah, you're asking me great questions that talk about those key areas that actually do help you figure it out. Sure, but it's not figured out all the time. Hey, no, it's not. You and I both, and and we've had conversations about that, and yeah. and everyone goes through stuff. It we does. Do. We're not immune as ministers, as leaders. We're not immune from any of that. We all encounter things on the daily and I think it's helpful though to and I love your transparency I, I love that you even said that because you're right I've listened to podcasts before and you go man and it almost seems overwhelming because I could never be they, that sounds so yeah. grand and you know yeah. um, I, I don't know if I could ever achieve that or get to that but I just yeah. appreciate you saying that here today for our listeners yeah. that uh, neither of us are are perfect and and I've definitely had those seasons I've gone through my own dark night of the soul and yeah. and sometimes it's longer than we want it to be it, it lasts a lot longer and to be honest the captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering yes and there've been yeah. moments in my life when it has yeah. not been easy yeah and I've actually said to God I don't know what you're trying to teach me out of this but I sure hope I learned it the first time yeah because I don't want to do this twice yeah and sometimes I had to do it two and three times yeah one of my favorite stories of another leader that I respected over the years is John Maxwell. Mm. And he was speaking at a conference and two other guys had stood up ahead of him and they waxed about they sounded so profound and sure, amazing. They sure. were just, and he's sitting there thinking, These guys, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with they're perfect. Yeah. And he looks around and he thought, These are just ordinary people. Yeah. And just wrong when we forget our, that we're ordinary. Yes. It's really bad when we write our own press headlines and yeah. believe it. That's really bad. Yeah. Anyway, so he changed all everything he was going to share. And so mm. he actually shared some of the messages he'd made, the mistakes he'd made, and some problems he'd yeah. created. Yeah. And the people ate it up. And his wife said to him after they were driving home, and she said, why did you do that? And so he told her the reason. And she said, well, why did you pick those things? And she said, well, they seem relevant to me. And she said, well, yeah. I wish you'd talk to me about it first. I would have given you a more significant list of things you've done wrong. <laughs> 
And he tells the story, but yeah. see, but I love that story yeah. Yeah. because we're all just learners. Yeah. yeah. I think people appreciate that too, right? We lead from our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses, yes. through our stories, yeah, and through do. our pain. And we all have it. And if you haven't had it yet, leader listening today, you will at some point. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's really, uh, I was thinking the analogy, I just spoke a message on this uh, last week, but just the whole analogy of, of a grape and just how a grape is one of the few fruits that are actually harvested to be crushed. Yeah. That's and you great. can't get the great value out of a grape unless it's crushed. That's it doesn't it. become wine without, no. which is way more valuable and way more adaptable. And, fle- and, and oftentimes we as leaders have to go through that crushing season mm-hmm. before God can bring our best out of us. Yeah. His best, really, not our best. But, uh, and I think there's a problem with that. I read mm. Peter, you know, add to your faith, knowledge, to your knowledge, temperance, and so on. Mm. If you go through that list, there's one in the middle called Perseverance, long suffering. Yeah, yeah. I think God lets us bump up against that. Yes. He takes us there. Yeah. And we bump against it. We bump against it. And He'll let us walk away. Yeah. And never get past that. Yeah. But when you never get past it, you're always in the why me stage. Yes. Why me? Why does yeah. this happen to me? Why, why yeah. me? If you can get past that, that's that surrender moment, mm. then all of a sudden you say, well, why not me? Yeah. Why made me so special that we couldn't have problems or family issues or divorce or sicknesses or illness? God, what are you trying to do through all of this? And so it becomes that surrendered life. And it's only at that moment I think we actually have godliness touch our lives at all. Mm. And it's easy to say that, but again, it's one of those moments you have to go through, I think, often. You keep going through that. But I watch Christians all the time. They'll hit, I believe they hit that. And then they walk backwards. They step back because they don't, and they never really... They never really lead, mm. lead anybody to Jesus. They're not really yeah. servants. They're not really, they're here, they're in the kingdom, they're going to heaven, but they're not really what God would want of them. Yeah. And I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah. I love them. I want, and yeah. I, my goal is to help them move past that. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah. I want to help yeah. them get past yeah. that, but, but I, don't, I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah. I, want to, I want to cross that line yeah. and surrender. Oh, it's so true. So key. Well, Bill, this has been great today, and I know you're a, a busy leader, and so I don't want to hijack your whole day, but this, this has been awesome. I want to close by just asking you a few one-off questions, just uh, real quick, um, just to laser in on a few things, where you're, where you're thinking, where you're leaning in, in this time and, and space, in this season of your life. But uh, real quickly, best, you know, if you could recommend a resource to a leader today, um, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a podcast, maybe a, I don't know, something you've come across that's probably been the most influential um, thing in your growth as a leader. What would that be? Yeah, so uh, recently I, I actually like, I know he's been criticized for by lots of people, but I do like Andy Stanley's view of the kingdom. Mm. So I think the book Irresistible was a great book. Yeah. It actually separates the Old Testament from the New in a way that's important. Okay. I do think we have a tendency to take Old Testament laws and we bring them into the New Testament world. Right. We're not under law, we're under grace. Right. And I do think that that's a significant, and it helps identify, it just helped me identify things I've thought for a long, long time. Yeah. And so I, and I just finished his second, the next latest book, it's very American, but not in it to win it. Yes. And yeah. I really think that that, yeah. that really identifies what the kingdom is about. 
So Sheila and I, read, we don't read the Bible together for our personal life. We actually read books together. So okay. we just finished those two books. Well, we have a book in between them, but yeah. we just finished uh, oh, We just great. finished uh, Not In It to Win It Together. That's good. And I've started a new book now. But uh, So he's been a bit of an influence. I also I also work really hard to talk to other pastors yeah. that I respect and admire. Uh, yeah. One of those, uh, I don't, probably don't want names here, but... But one of those pastors, a larger church in Toronto, and he and I think are quite a bit alike, but we have a tendency to sharpen each other. Yeah, yeah. We, we share ideas, and he'll correct mine, yeah. and I try and correct him a little yeah. once in a while. And he, he's amazing. He's, yeah. I'm old enough to be his dad. Sure. And and I'm very grateful for that, yeah. that he's in my life. That's a sidebar. Yeah. One of my best friends is 28. I'm yeah. 77, 76, yeah. almost 77. Yeah. And he and I have been best friends for 10 years. Wow. Isn't that amazing. I'm so that grateful. That is amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I do so some books, and then I think it's really important who we hang out, out with. Yeah. I think that really, really matters. For sure. For and, sure. Uh, and then this is going to sound a little arrogant, but one of the learning people I learn from is me. Yeah. Because I have these thinking moments. Right. Right. So you just like, you're thinking, why did that not work? And then you can figure out why it didn't work. Yeah. So the next time you can do it so it does work. Yeah. Or why did that work? Well, you spend time thinking about that. You're pondering. You're meditating yeah. over it. And then you can figure hmm. it out. Then you can make that transferable. Wow. So I do think God has put within all of us gifts. That, that, and I do, I do want to be reading and I do want to be learning. Sure. But every leader I've ever met, God has put with them, within them gifts. Yeah. You can't be arrogant about them, but if you'll ponder and think about what God's put in you, mm. God will take those gifts in you right. and change your world. Yeah, oh, I don't good. hear that much, to that's be honest good. with no, you, but I think no. that's really true. I, yeah. I just And so there's a place where you trust you and God together, mm. which it's not, there's nothing arrogant about it, it's, but, it yeah. but there's something liberating about it. Yeah. yeah, it's true. You're right. You don't hear that a whole lot, but I think... I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and, and again, it comes back to something that you've been so disciplined and intentional with, and it's, it's thinking. Yeah. It's space and time to think, to contemplate, to reflect, to meditate. Um, and and in, in this world, and, and psychologists, mental health experts would say we are living in a, a time of an epidemic of hurry sickness. I agree. Always in a hurry, right? Yes. And and there's books written about it now. Yes. Like we have, um, and and so one of the one of the side, you know, the side effects of that is just not having time and space to yeah. actually reflect. I have lots of pastors ask me this question: say, what kind of what should a weekly schedule look like? Yeah. And I actually tell them a number of things. One of them I say is make sure you've got a half a day. You just think. Wow. And don't be at the office. Be at home. Yeah. Just think. Wow. And the other thing I recommend to every pastor is every quarter book a week away from ministry and responsibility hmm. and spend a week alone with God. And don't take 10 books. Don't take even a book. Yeah. Take the Bible. Yeah. Take a notepad and spend a week. I do believe fasting along with that yeah. helps. But yeah. even if you can't, yeah. just spend That's a good. week thinking about so you good. and God and where yeah. you're going and whether church needs to be and and I found myself coming out of those moments with great understanding where God wanted these people to be yeah. and how to get them there. Yeah. I wouldn't have figured that out on my own. I wouldn't have yeah. ever figured that out if I hadn't taken that time. Yeah. Yeah. So all the time I pastored, I actually planned a week every quarter hmm. that I found a place to go. I've stayed yeah. in cottages. and I sure. stayed in baptismal yeah. rooms where people yeah. changed because there was yeah. a bathroom there in a yeah. church and, yeah. and so oh, on. so good. Anyway, so just, good. I just think that's healthy. Yeah. 
Well, Bill, if if you could go back and start all over again, young Bill in ministry, uh, what's one thing maybe you would do, not necessarily completely different, but one thing maybe you would change, one thing you would maybe incorporate that wasn't there at the beginning that you would start immediately because you you just know the power of that, whatever it is, if you had to go back and do yeah, it all over again. It would be completely irrelevant to everything we've talked about at this moment. Yeah. Uh, I would walk toward messes quicker. Mm. When I was younger, people made messes and I was there. Yeah. And I discovered over the years that by not de- dealing with them, they never got better, they got worse. Oh. And sometimes I didn't because I loved those people. I actually pastored a church once with one of the best mentors of my life in an area of my life I needed it in, yeah. became one of my parishioners. What I didn't know was in the church, he loved to stir the church up and make them fight. Wow. And, and I, because he'd so, been so influential in my life, I let him get away with way too much. Right. And eventually I had no choice. I had to confront him and say, you can't do this. Sure. You're hurting God's body. Sure. And, and I, I, let it, I let it fester too long. Mm. And I watched people that lovingly need to be corrected. And, and, but I mean, you can't do it. You can't do it. You don't try to put them out of the church or hurt them. No. But no. if you really, we correct our kids because we love yeah. them. Yeah. So if I'm the spiritual pastor, then I, I wish I had done that quicker. Yeah. I wish I had done that sooner. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had done that with staff. I had staff that lifted my load, and I had staff that weighed me down. I wish I had not kept them as long. Right. Uh, I really believe that, that if you've got people that are making your life heavier, they're making it less effective. Yeah. And maybe it's just you not. Maybe you're just not a good team. Maybe. Sure. Because yeah. I've watched people go elsewhere and shine, so yeah. there's no negativity here. Yeah. But but I, I just I that's I don't have a lot of regrets to be honest with mm. you. One of the mentors of my life early, I was honoring him, and you know I try to speak good sure. to people, yeah. and I was telling him how much I appreciated him and the things I, and he kind of got quiet and he kind of got a few tears in his eyes, and he talked to me about all the regrets of his life. Wow. That was early early in my ministry, yeah. and I thought, what? I, could, I couldn't believe it because yeah. I saw so much that I wanted to be in him. Yeah. And, and I, just, I just, at that moment, I said, God, please help me to get to the end without a lot of regrets. Wow. So I don't have a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I do wish that I had, I do wish I had walked towards the messes quicker. Mm. No, that's good. So good. Bill, what are you most excited about when you look at uh, the future? Maybe you personally, maybe the church. Um, what are you most excited about in the near future? What's on your mind these days, on your heart? What excites you? Um, this is going to sound probably funny too. <laughs> I, I'm ready for heaven. Hmm. Wow. Like I yearn. Wow. As good as this is. Yeah. Think how good that's going to be. Yeah. Just, wow. I love what Job says. There's a yearning in his heart. Mm. In my flesh, I will see God. I believe that. Mm. I, I do. It drives my life. I just, not because I'm worthy. There's no worthiness here. He, he's the one that makes us worthy. But yeah. but there's this great old piece of poetry. It's really hard to read. It's long. But it's called General William Booth Enters Heaven. Mm. It's worth reading. Yeah. <laughs> it is just, it is worth uh-huh. reading. There will come a day we're all going to be there. Mm. And I'm, I'm ready. Wow. I'm anxious. Wow. I'm willing. I have no idea how God's yeah. going to leave. Long He's going to leave me here. I don't really care. 
Yeah. As long as my mind is working, my heart is working, my body is working, I'm going to keep working. Sure. But that's what I'm looking forward to. Wow. Well, you can tell, Bill, that oozes out of you. And uh, yeah, this has been absolute gold today. Um, I had other things we, we could have went, but always a, the true test of a good interview is when you don't get to all your questions. And uh, so this has been priceless today. So thank you so much for... Uh, I'm truly honored to have been able to be part of this yeah, with you. Yeah, that's been Thank so, you for so doing good. this, for yeah. if, even for me today and for others. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, it's my pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Well, there it is, my conversation with Bill Morrow. And I don't know if you're like me, anytime I get to sit with uh, with Bill, I can't write fast enough. This might be one of those episodes you need to go back over and listen to a few times. There's just so many nuggets of truth, great leadership principles. And uh, we went off script so many times in this interview, and I just loved it. I, I just, I could have kept recording. Even after I, I hit the, the stop recording button, he just gave me other stuff and just, he just oozes with, with just life experience and, and so many great truths that he's learned over the years and, and loves to share with young leaders. And you can tell he's got a heart and a passion to invest his life into the next generation. And I just appreciate that so much. So if you like this, if you benefited from it in some way, shape, or form, go ahead, give us a like wherever you get your podcast. Give us a, uh, a review, and that just helps us spread the word for this Leadership Matters podcast. So remember, until next time, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.